From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 458 for the week of June 14th, 2015. The Diz Unplugged Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disneyland vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am your host Tom Bell. I'm joined by my good friend Marjorie Malata Willie, and no one else because everybody is on the Alaska cruise. And we're recording this early so that you can have something to listen to while we... Play with whales and eat salmon and stuff like that. Ooh, yeah. Anyway, in yeah, exactly. In this segment, Mary Jo takes a day six drive to a couple of Walt's old hangouts. Right. Well, actually, yeah, yes. I was going to say one okay. hangout because there's a lot more to it than I realized, which I thought okay. was really cool. And then I'll mention the other one. Okay. Cool. So um, today I'm going to actually talk about one of Los Angeles' oldest restaurants, and in fact, it's the oldest restaurant that is still in the same location and still owned and run by the same family. Which mm-hmm. I didn't know. And when nice. you go there, you'll see a plaque on the restaurant just to the right of the entrance that states that. It was presented um, to this restaurant on its 75th anniversary by the city of Los Angeles in 1997. And I am talking about the Talishaner restaurant. Ah, okay, cool. Yep. it's. I've, I've heard of that. You've heard of it? Have you, actually, have you ever been there? I have not. I passed by it on a bus one time. Does that count? No. I, this this is has is turning into one of the places that I am going to highly recommend um, when people come visit Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It's a theme restaurant. It's it's really cool. Um, it's located just northeast of downtown Los Angeles in the town called Atwater Village. And just a little note about Atwater: the reason why it's called Atwater Village is because it was at the water when they founded it. It was by the LA River, so they said Atwater. And then they added village back like in 1986 when they wanted to upgrade the, the town or whatever. But it's bordered by Silver Lake, which should also be a name that we recognize. Do you recognize it, Tom? Silver Lake? What? No. In the Fiddler Fife and Practical Cafe, you have the Silver Lake Sisters. Oh, okay. No, okay. Right. I, yeah, I haven't put that connection together yeah it's the the story of the sisters is from that area silver lake and where they used to play etc and where that restaurant is dedicated to um it's also bordered by glendale and griffith park so to say so the tamashanter restaurant was established in 1922 by a couple of guys whose names we might not recognize right off the bat but we sure do know their restaurants one was named lawrence frank and the other was his father-in-law walter vandekamp so remember those big Dutch bakeries with the windmills? Oh, bar, 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 yes. Okay, but back in the... That's Van de Kamp, right? Uh-huh, Van de Kamp, And that's exactly who it is. And we all know about the Laurie's restaurants. They're really famous. And the Laurie's Spices with that red L, you know, that they sell mm-hmm. in the supermarkets. It's from the right. same family. Okay, so cool. in the Laurie family restaurants, the Tamashanter is the original restaurant. And then they built on from there. Um, it was built in the storybook style that was really popular in the 20s and 30s. And there's a few buildings in California, um, if you want to search them out, that you can, that are in that fairy tale style or what they call the Hansel and Gretel style. 
And in fact, there's a couple of houses near where Nancy lives that were built by the same people that have that style, which is really cool. And these are kind of whimsical. They're old world, have gables and uneven roofs and cobblestones, mismatched doors. Um, They're non-symmetrical and and very popular back in those days. And the guy who um, designed it, was his name was Harry Oliver. He was a humorous artist, Academy Award. Um, he won Academy Award for, he was an art director for films in the 1920s and 30s. And they had him design this restaurant. And in fact, Walter Knott asked him, um, he was a consultant for the Ghost Village when they did, Ghost Town, when they did that for Knott's Berry Farm. Mm-hmm. But not Walter Knott was looking for something more authentic West rather than fairy tale. So he kind of said, no, nah, we don't want you, but... There's another theme park that we go to that the if you go to like Village House and Pinocchio and you go to mm-hmm. those attractions and Snow White, um, they're very reminiscent of his style. And the cartoon Snow White or the first animated movie Snow White, um, the decor or the decor of the cottage for the for the dwarves really looks like this restaurant did when they first built it. Of course, it's been. Uh, refurbished over the years but if you look at the pictures it looks i i can see the dwarves dancing with snow white in the in their main dining room <laughs> so it, it was pretty cool so you can see where you know the the influence i think for um walt disney came from in that so this um, gentleman by the name of harry oliver that i mentioned he used instead of getting contractors he used movie studio carpenters to build this their the restaurant that sounds that sounds familiar doesn't it? it yeah it does imagine it and it will come you know mm-hmm. um the uh in fact in the original restaurant the dining room had was like the walls were looked like it was made out of a tree trunk and ba- branch columns so it was knotted wood um Knotted wood and wrought iron flourishes, etc. So that's what it looked like. So it kind of almost reminds me a little bit of Peter Pan, too, in, in that type of style. Um, the restaurant had different names throughout the years. It was first called Montgomery's County Inn, and um, it was changed to the Tamashanter in 1925. It was also called um, the Great Scott back in 60s and 80s. So I don't know if that sound to me, that, that reminds me a little bit of... Um, What's his name in in Back to the Future? Great Scott! <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's where he got that from. But um, it, it stayed that way for 20 years or so, and then they went back to the Tamish Shanner they, they, because of the Scottish theming of the restaurant. And the name itself was inspired by the poet Robert Burns, who's kind of like the national poet for Scotland. And in 1791, he wrote a poem about a Scotsman named Tamish Shanter who got in a little trouble with some witches... And there's a line in the poem that says, The lightnings flash from pole to pole, near and moored, near the thunder's roll. And if you look at the sign for the Tamashanter restaurant, you'll see a lightning bolt going through it. Mm-hmm. So the lightning bolt, it's kind of represents where past and present meet. And it's also kind of a symbol of that there's new energy and a spirit of fun in, in that restaurant. So they've, there's a lot of, it's not a huge restaurant, but there's a lot going on over there. So, um, in addition to the names in the restaurant, it's undergone a bunch of changes in the 93 years that it's been around. This, In fact, this month, June June of 1922 is when they established it. 
So this birthday is this month. It was first a roadside stop, a burger joint, lunch counter. It was a original drive-in eatery. Can you imagine in those old jalopies that they drove around in the 30s, going up there and grabbing something to bite, <laughs> a bite to eat? And um, even the at the Disney Studios, they ate there so often they called it the commissary for the Disney Studios. Nice. Which, yeah, I'll, I'll get to a little bit more of that later, but that was kind of cool, I thought. As well as fine dining establishment. And it's also a kind of like a local hangout restaurant for the neighborhood, restaurant and bars. So there's a really versatile place, versatile place. And um, like I said, it's a themed restaurant. It's one of the first themed restaurants in the area, that's for sure. Um, it's located in an area close to the silent movie studios. So I'll just go really quickly through some of the celebrities that you've they've seen there through the years. Um, there are directors like Mike Sennett. Rudolph Valentino, Fatty Arbuckle, Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks, and other actors of that ilk would be eating there in full costume and makeup because it was so close. And in the 1940s, that's where Walt Disney first started going um, there until he passed away. That was one of his favorites, and he was a regular in that restaurant. In later years, John Wayne, Casey Stengel were frequent guests, and today... You can run into Tom Hanks, Dick Van Dyke. In fact, I think an ABD tour was there, right? And mm -hmm, Dick Van right. Dyke was eating in the restaurant when they were yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, Vince Vaughn and a whole bunch of other celebrities go there. So it's, it's a popular place. And as I mentioned earlier, this restaurant is really special to us Disney fans because it was a favorite of Walt Disney. And he used to go there uh, often with his Imagineers. It's located close to the old Hyperion Studios, which were his original studios. And he would go and collaborate over there. From the time you approach, um, excuse me, from the time you park in the parking lot and approach the restaurant, you can already tell that it's not just ordinary, just not an ordinary place. There's a lion statue at the front. And since it is a Scottish, you know, from the UK style, they have the requisite yell, um, red telephone booth to the right. And for those of us who remember phone booths, we would recognize it. But for the younger crowd, if you watch old Superman movies, that thing that he goes into changes clothes <laughs> is called the phone booth. Nice. <laughs> so, um, and once you walk in, the lobby has a lot of paraphernalia that you can check out while you wait. They have a couple of rooms. Um, one is a seating room next to a fireplace, and the other is called the snug room. So as soon as you walk in, you already feel welcome. It's got that dark wood interior. Um, in fact, the wood that they used, they actually burned it before they con they constructed the restaurant, so they never have to paint it. So it's got that weathered look to everything. Excuse me. And while you're waiting, you can check out, they have this big china cabinet with interesting dishes and plaques, paintings, awards, kind of all the history and memorabilia from when the restaurant first opened to now. And there's also on the walls pictures of Mark Davis, Ward Kimball, Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnson. It's almost like a who's who of the Disney Imagineers right, right. Are, are there, right? Um, and there's a lot of reading material as you sit and wait that you could read on the walls. And there's um, another cabinet that has the displays of the history with a little model of the building. And there's so much to look there when you first go in. You might not want to go in when they call you, right? Um Another thing that you'll notice when you enter the lobby, especially if you're a Disney fan, are the two pictures that face each other on opposite walls. One was drawn by Walt Disney himself. It's of Lawrence Frank, 
one of the original uh, proprietors that I mentioned at the beginning. And he's dressed as a Scot with Disney characters dressed also as Scots um, for this restaurant. So even Tinkerbell has a little tam on her head over him. And um, and, and um, they've got Goofy and the other one. So that's a neat one. Then across the room, in 1997, when the restaurant reached its 75th anniversary, Disney Studios gifted the restaurant with another drawing. And this one shows Mickey Mouse through the years. So they have the pie-eyed Mickey. You could see Steamboat <laughs> Willie type. Even Sorcerer Mickey and, and all the different iterations. And he... And the different Mickeys, are the clone Mickeys, or Mickey through the years, <laughs> are sitting with uh, Richard Frank Sr. and Frank Jr. as Scottish patrons. And it says, have a prime time. And they're having a, a they have a plate of prime rib because the nice. restaurant's known for that. Yeah, it's really cool. We, we kind of studied those for a little while when we went in there. So when you do go into the restaurant, um, the town has different alcoves to dine in. And, and you have different dining experience. You can sit in the main dining room and order off the menu, or you can visit the bar for a nice, you know, nice uh, beer or ale to drink, whatever you feel like drinking, or you can go to the ale and sandwich bar if you want something light and kind of quick. And the ale and sandwich bar, they actually will um, cut the meat for you right there like they do at a buffet, so it's really fresh. And when I went there the first time, which I happened to go with some divas, there were some men sitting next to us, and they were all... they. There's a lot of stables in the area also. So these guys were all dressed in their cowboy boots and everything. They were eating lunch. So I asked them, I said, so what's good over here? And one said the roast beef. One said the corned beef. One said the turkey. I mean, they all had their favorites, but they were regulars. And so I went with the corned beef sandwich. Oh, my gosh, it was so good. The, the, it was really, really good. Um, so you might want to try that if you go there. And then I went again recently with a couple of our listeners, Denise and Teresa. And knowing how big a fan Teresa is, I kind of went up to the podium and asked if Walt's table was available. And luckily for us, was free. Nice. Wait, I said Walt's Wasn't table, free. right? Yeah. Walt, there's a there's a table that Walt used to sit at. Um, his favorite table, and there's a plaque on the table that says that it's his table. It's table number thirty one. So either remember Walt's table or table 31. It was free. We sat there in the, in the, in the corner and I was laughing because Teresa wanted to know if I had some clout, how we got that table. (laughs) Don't you know who I am? Yeah. This is like, how did Mary Jo get that table? But you know, you don't have to be anybody special. It just has to be free um, when you go there. So available, not free. Exactly. Nothing's free. Nothing's free. Uh, (laughs) so true. Um, but it, when you go there, there's a lot of, it's in the corners, it's next to this big floor-to-ceiling fireplace, beautiful fireplace. And when you go into the room, there's all kinds of memorabilia. There's um, kilts all over the place. There's Scottish, um, the tartans, there's a uh, coat of arms, there's little medieval knights and everything. There's a lot of things to capture your attention and look at. And so we sat at the table and... I tell you, Teresa is one of the most observant people I know. She she looks down at the table and she says, "What's this?" And there's etchings in the table. And what happened is that the Imagineers had a um, a game called the Virtual Optimist Game, and so the Disney Imagineers etched in these um, 
drawings on Walt Disney's table. And they are of the dinosaur diorama for Primeval World. And you actually see the words Primeval World. There's a note that says, call so-and-so about Tomorrowland. So they're, like, they're the notes that Walt Disney would have been doodling and sketching out when he was talking to his Imagineers. So when you go there, so what Teresa did is she got um, a blank piece of paper and she did a rubbing. She got a pencil and she rubbed over the etchings. Wow. And so she has a little souvenir from when we ate there. So I thought that was really cool, too. So um, at first we thought that these etchings were actually done by Walt Disney, but they were really done by the Imagineers later on. So um, when you do go to this restaurant, it, it is an L.A. classic. They're always looking for new things to add, so you won't be getting the same experience every time you go. They have mixers, wine dinners, uh, fee pricks uh, meals. They have live entertainment. They have special brunches for Father's Day, which is coming up, um, and for Mother's Day also. So I really recommend going to the site and seeing if there's anything special going on when you're in the area. They've got, like I said, all coves. There's three different fireplaces there. At Christmas, they have carolers that sing around the restaurant. Um, they also celebrate um, the poet Robert Burns' birthday with haggis. You. So, <laughs> so, and they actually have haggis on the on the menu. I wasn't brave enough to try it. <laughs> but for those of you who have been to Scotland and you're really yearning for some Scottish <laughs> fare, hey, they've got it here. I don't know. I... I might, I might dare the team to go over there and no. always try some. Hey, give kids the world. We can raise money. How much haggis can we eat? <laughs> <laughs> um, in addition to Walt's table, which is table 31, John Wayne also used to love this place. So he's got a table de- uh, dedicated to him. And that's table 15. And it's loca- located in the Tartan room. So each of these little rooms have special names for them and everything. Nice. Like I said, they've, they've had a lot of time to really personalize this restaurant. Mm-hmm. So um, if you have a Lari's uh, VIP membership, you can use it. it. It applies to the restaurant. And the menu is also themed, and it's called the Tamashantara Tail Menu. And it has Mr. McTavish and Scottish-influenced Scottish, in- Scottish influenced language, uh, which was con- uh, Walter Vandykamp kind of designed it in, back in the 50s. So that's kind of neat to go look at if you want to do that. Um, their food has been innovative. They, they invented the recipe for their hamburgers, which uses those spices that everybody now buys in the supermarket. Their signature dish is the Lowry's prime rib, which is no surprise over there. But they also have a lot of other um, seasonal plates that they come up with. So they have classics that they keep at the restaurant, but they're always adding to it. So if you go there, they have the Ale and Sandwich Bar, which is open daily from 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. So it's open from lunch to late in the night. So if you're out partying in L.A. someplace and you need something to eat, some haggis with some ale or something like that, you can go there. Dinner. Uh, I'd have to have a lot of the ale first. Before <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might, they also had other stuff there. I, I, I might okay. try one of their bourbons before I try any of the other things, you know. A, a, a nice, strong drama there. <laughs> <laughs> um, dinner, uh, Mondays through Thursdays, is from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Fridays, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Saturdays, 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. Sundays, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. They have brunch, Saturdays and Sundays, 10.30 to 2.30 
Um, when we went there, even though we had the ale and sandwich bar, we had a regular menu. The second time I went with Denise and Teresa, um, Denise and I had these really good salads. And Teresa had French onion soup. And I forget what else she had. But I'll give you a couple of the items in a, in a minute. Um, they, It's casual clothes, casual attire over there. And they do offer valet parking, but we didn't need it ourselves. So on the ale, the lunch ale and sandwich bar, the types of food that they have there would be, like I said, the French onion soup that goes for eight bucks and you can get the prime rib salad for 16 bucks, fish and chips for 15, lobster salad for 20. So you're running from eight to $20 for lunch over there. Um, they also have carved plates and those run for anywhere from 17 to $27. And that would be your beef brisket, 10 ounce cut prime ribs of beef or the six ounce if you don't want to eat that much. And then they have their sides, all kinds of sides. Um, sweets would include vanilla bean ice cream, hot fudge sundae, creme brulee, chocolate chip cookies, or English trifle, which is really, really good. At nighttime, the ale and sandwich bar night has um, a more hearty, more hearty uh, offerings. They have the Tamburger for 16 bucks, which is one of their signature foods. Then they have all kinds of different um, odds and sods, they call them, like uh, beer battered onion rings. The haggis is 20. I'm sorry, the haggis is only $11. And they say <laughs> it goes great with their neeps and tatties. I think we got to go there just to find out what neeps and tatties are. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Uh, the tempura green beans, which are delicious, chili cheese fries, other stuff that's what what we would consider to be normal. Uh, they have sandwich platters go fourteen dollars or nineteen dollars with the with the sides, um, and then they have it what they call put on a plate, which is shrimp and grits, sirloin steak fritz, classic meatloaf, as well as their and then they have their desserts. Their dinner menu. You're talking a little bit more. Their odds and sods for that is something they call devils on horseback, which is cream cheese filled dates wrapped in bacon. So you, you see that they're getting a little with a little bit more of a modern menu and some right. of these things. Uh, the deviled eggs. Um, it's a Scottish classic. And you try it again with your neeps and tatties. i got to find out what neeps and tatties are. Uh, sweet corn fritters, chilled shrimp, etc. Their roasted prime ribs of beef run about... In the mid-30s, up to $48. Um, and that's the Prince Charlie cut, which is an extra thick steak, always with the bone. And they also have lobster. Um, the burgers run about $15. So your dinner is going to be much more expensive than than um, lunch. And they also have one where it's $99 for a, for a meal for two people. And that's the, fi- the fixed pricks meal with your appetizer entree and everything like that. I think they have a wonderful um, variety in their food. I've tasted the food and it's delicious. I highly recommend this restaurant, not only because it's a Walt Disney favorite, but because the restaurant itself with its theming, the fact that it's a, it's a Los Angeles standard, I think is underrated. I, if I hadn't have heard of the Tamashaner through the Diz, I wouldn't have known it existed. And the more I learned about it, the more I wonder why we, this isn't something that's being touted all over the place because it really is a good restaurant. 
To get there from the Disneyland parks, it's super easy. You just get on the five freeway, go north about eight hours in LA traffic. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like probably maybe half an hour to 45 minutes. It could be an hour on LA traffic. I think it's highly worth it. It's on the Los Feliz Boulevard on the corner of Los Feliz and Boyce Avenue. And I do recommend reservations, though I had I didn't need to make them myself. But if you're going to travel from the Disneyland Resort, you do want to do that. Uh, one of the things that I kind of recommend is if you're going to get into Los Angeles and you're not going to go to Disney that day, and let's say you get in around 10, 11, I recommend going from the LA, especially the LAX airport. It's not going to be far. Head on over to the Tamashanner. Close by, maybe 10-minute drive away, is the Griffith Park with the carousel that Disney's chilled daughters used to ride on where he thought about creating Disneyland. So I would recommend going to Griffith Park. The carousel opens at 11 o'clock because we found that out. It opens at 11 o'clock. The ride, I think, is $2 a person. The carousel goes pretty fast for a carousel. And you're riding on the original horses there. On the, um, You can tell that they're really old. But it's perfectly safe. It's large. It's beautiful. The venue is beautiful. And then head on over to Tamashanner and have a nice lunch. Have, have some Neeps and Tatties. Yeah, Neeps and Tatties. Okay. Um, <laughs> Neeps and Tatties are mashed potatoes. And oh. either I'm, I'm finding a couple different recipes. One says rutabaga. The other says turnips. I'll say turnips. Turnips so sounds it's, more so it's British. So it's like mashed potatoes with other root vegetables in it. Okay. So, so Neves, Taddies, and Haggis. Yay, that sounds very Scottish. Yeah. So, but I, along with the other with the other offerings that they have. So I, I do recommend, We that's what we did. We went, we rode in the carousel. We got some fresh air, enjoyed that. And then we went over to the restaurant, found it quite easily. And we enjoyed our lunch. So this is something that I would highly recommend. Excellent. Thank you, Mary Jo. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. <laughs> it was it was it was a lot it was a lot of fun. So in the show notes, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna include a link to the restaurant. Okay. And cool. I'm also gonna include a link to the original myth about Tamashanter that tells you the whole story for those who'd like to see uh, read the story that inspired the name of the restaurant. Very cool. All right, that is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.